Welcome to Rotten Brotatoes with Bryce and Forrest. And we're here to ruin your favorite movies and TV shows. This week, we'll be ruining Captain Marvel with our very special guest, Hector. How's it going, everybody? I mean, what did you guys think about the movie? So, I was watching Captain Marvel, and, you know, I'm not really that big of a Marvel fan. I'm more towards the DC point. And um, so, but I mean, any superhero movie is like my favorite movie. I went in there, you know, thinking, you know, this is going to be a great movie that I was really hoping that like Adam Warlock, you know, they would have done something with Adam Warlock just because the Avengers and everything like that. That's <clears throat> Adam Warlock's one that that did it all. And then yet we have Captain Marvel that's taking his place. So I was already kind of salty going into the whole movie just because I really wanted to see Adam Warlock do his thing. What about you, Forrest? Uh, well, I thought... uh. I went into it thinking, you know, it's going to be a kind of subpar Marvel movie just because the previews weren't weren't what I wanted them to be, you know. Um, it, it was it was a it was a good movie. It just wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, you know, as far as Marvel movies go. So, like, all in all, kind of like a disappointing sit down, or was it just not what you were expecting? It kind of felt like it was filling holes that needed to be filled, and like trying really hard to like connect the other movies and storylines, you know. Right, yeah, because it's kind of hard to do a like an origin story and have it fill in the gaps to where we need to jump from chronologically the first movie, right, of the MCU mm-hmm. to the very last one. So right. they needed a lot of holes to fill. And so you think that kind of like brought the whole thing down just because he was trying to fill that, all those holes that needed to be filled for Endgame? Somewhat, yeah. I think I think they were kind of pushing it a little bit, you know. But, I mean, overall... They did okay, you know. So what were your thoughts, Hector? Uh, well, coming going into the movie, I was I had seen all the promotions, all the uh, interviews with Brie Larson and the directors, and I wasn't too keen on the movie. I'll be honest. It it, it was kind of hard. Like the first fifteen minutes was slow to begin with for me, but it's kind of hard for me to separate like the like the real world like stuff that they were trying to do. And the movie. So the first 15 minutes for me really suffered in that regard. But, you know, I was thoroughly entertained. There wasn't a time, or there wasn't a point in the movie where I was like, man, this drags. Mm, yeah, this kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> it got you engaged for most of the movie. Like, I mean, it wasn't anything I really enjoyed or anything. I mean, granted, I was so, like, annoyed when they got into their suits and she had a mohawk. I was like, is this needed? Like, yeah. the, mo- like the mohawk was weird. I'll, I'll admit the mohawk was kind of weird. But yeah. you know what? What? What would be like the opposite of that? Just like have her hair disappear? Yeah, I mean she's in a cap. Like she's Coil in a, like tail, a maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. It's just a weird like mohawk. Cause at first, like when I saw the mohawk, I was like, oh, that's not that's not Captain Marvel. Like that's one of the other people that they like rode with. Like I was like, I didn't see anyone with like a blonde mohawk. I was like, there's <laughs> no way that they would just transform her hair into a mohawk. Like I was like, what? I, I will say though, while the mohawk was kind of like a like a weird add-on, it was kind of like a more like a visual thing, right? Uh, it did have the really cool effect of whenever she took her mask off, her hair would fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that. That was kind of aesthetically pleasing to me. Yeah, they put a lot of detail um, into the little things, which I was, I mean, that was kind of enjoyable. Um, Speaking of the little things, how'd you guys, or did you guys notice at all the CGI in it? I mean. Like obviously they're CGI. Well, no, like 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 the de aging stuff. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they just like 
don't know. I mean, I know you two don't really watch The Office, but there's an episode where Creed gets a uh, toner ink from the printer and just like, rubs it on his hair to like get it like black dark. And I feel like that's what they did with Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I just don't know. Well, when you <laughs> know weird. how old he is, you know, you're thinking like, okay, hold on a minute here. Okay, so how did you guys feel about uh, like Agent Coulson being back and alive in the MCU and not just S.H.I.E.L.D.? They didn't expand on him a whole lot. Granted, he was the new guy. Um, but I felt like he should have had more of a role in there because that actor is just a great actor, and I think he portrays him um, quite well. And so it just was kind of sad that snippet here, snippet there, and that was it. So I'm going to go on a weird note here because in the first Iron Man movie, they come to him and they have this huge long name of what it's called, and they don't have it called S.H.I.E.L.D. yet. But in this movie, they already have it called S.H.I.E.L.D. like 30 years before that. I did, I did, you know, I did notice that, and I was like, well, that's an inconsistency, but, like, that's for people that, like, are real into it, and they're, like, watching the TV show, and then watching Avengers, like, six times. I'm sure the casual moviegoer were like, oh, yes, I remember that name, right, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but TV shows that are on for years, they make sure that that stuff's lined up, and so, like, that's what really upset me, is that it's kind of like... They didn't care, like, to make sure that all the I's were dotted and all the T's were crossed. That's something that is not important, but it is. Do you think that was an oversight, or did you think it, it had more to do with uh, audience recognition of, what, of who they were? Because they, didn't, they really didn't go into what the agency was, rather, other than just saying they were S.H.I.E.L.D. I think everything was forced. The, you know, the S.H.I.E.L.D., the cat's catching Fury's eye, like... I just felt like they forced a whole lot of stuff just be, oh, look how we can tie all this in together. But they didn't focus on like what truly tied the universe together. They just like made all these little weird like snippets that like caused it to be like, oh, look, we're relevant. Like, I don't know. It just, uh. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole uh, Fury's Eye thing, if you guys didn't remember or, you know, it's kind of a refresher. So in Captain America, the first Avenger, it was, which, well, which one was the movie that they discover that S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually Hydra? Is it Winter Soldier? I think it is, right? Yeah. That's when Bucky comes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Fury tells someone, I don't remember who he's talking to, uh, he tells them, or they ask about his eye. It's like, oh, what happened to your eye? And he goes, well, last time I trusted someone, like, this happened. And then we get the reveal now <laughs> that it was, yeah. it, was, it was a cat that he trusted. <laughs> Was that was that 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 feels to me like a like a Ryan Johnson level of subversion, you know? Right, and it's like <laughs> they force the whole "I trusted you, I trust you, I trust you so much," cat. Like, I don't know. It just felt like I'm Captain Marvel and I want to be relevant to the universe kind of situation. Like around like just the whole movie, and like not even the Marvel universe, but the whole force nostalgia that they just kept hitting on with the whole blockbuster with Radio Shack. It just felt like, oh, look, 90s kids, like, we want to be relevant and hit, you know, you too. And so, like, that's what was really kind of upsetting is that, like, why why did you need to land in a blockbuster? Why did you need to mention Radio Shack? Well, like, because it's funny, right? It's 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 the Marvel brand of humor where it's it's yeah. it's nothing more than a throwaway sight gag. Right? And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's because of Disney. Like, because I think as Disney progresses into the Marvel Universe, it's just gotten more and more that way. And I just – it was – super annoying just to see that like i was really irritated when i saw that and it's just like disney's grasp on marvel <laughs> causing all of it what do you think about that i don't know i think uh i think bryce has an unfair like 
hatred for Disney for some reason. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to a couple of these, you'll probably get that. But really, he uh, tends to go on rants on Disney. But I, overall, I didn't think those parts really hurt the movie at all. I think they're they're funny, you know. I was in the theater with like eight old people, and they all laughed. So. Oh uh, yes, I remember my forty. <laughs> No, but I mean, to me, I think they were just kind of a, not a cheap way, but a very loose and fast way to have that instant rapport with the audience Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, yes, I remember, you know, it's funny that they, that it's set in the nineties and that she landed in a blockbuster and the only like the go-to communication store is Radio Shack. Right. Right. (laughs) And then, you know, other things. I don't know, like the like the nine inch nails shirt that she was wearing and like the grunge stuff. I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, I did like the whole like, oh, we're just going with the grunge look, are we? Like <clears throat> that did make my day. Yeah, and this was set uh, what, in nineteen ninety five, right? I don't remember the exact year that I just know it was the nineties, yeah. I mean just to, <laughs> to put it in kind of perspective, nineteen ninety four was when Kurt Cobain died. So the grunge was at the was at the max at that time. Like 25 years. I don't appreciate that attack on my culture. <laughs> but like, and I, I thought the cool thing is like the moment I saw Jude Law, I was like, oh, well, he's definitely a bad guy. And then they're like, oh no, he's a good guy. I'm like, no, nah, he he's a, he's a bad guy. Jude Law's never, he's never good. Right, but you know, we were kind of talking about this a little bit. We kind of touched on it uh, before podcast. It was. Uh, ben Mendelsohn and Jude Law in the same movie. Right, and it's like both of those are bad guys, so it's like, I don't know who to trust. You know, talking about, like, the plot of the movie a little bit, you know, right from the get-go, I don't know if you guys know, but, like, a big trope in movies is that, you know, whenever someone stifles someone else, whether that be, like, don't use your strength or don't lose your Mm. don't lose your cool or something like that, that's always kind of viewed as a negative, right? Because... Most movies, especially in a breakout uh, superhero movie, it kind of champions, like, do your own thing, be yourself, and all that kind of stuff. So immediately, immediately I was like, oh, there's a twist coming, right? Because this, uh, this guy isn't a good guy. If his, if his whole stick, right, if his whole control, right, if his whole stick is you got to control your powers and don't use them unless we say so and, like, got to keep your cool. And I was like, this guy's evil. This guy has to be evil. Yeah. I got the, the, uh, the thought that it was like an empire right away, and I was like, "Well, most empires are pretty evil." Okay, we got, we got the British Empire, we have Rome. Like both of them took over lots of people, <laughs> made them do what they wanted to do, and I kind of saw the, uh, the the scroll as uh, the Gauls. You know, they were just getting beat up constantly and pushed out of their land. You know, yeah, a little history. And I guess stuff there. I thought I thought you were gonna go, uh, you know, to keep in to keep in in theme of like superheroes. I thought you gonna, I thought you were gonna go like. The Empire from Star Wars, the, the First I mean, Order, and then you went really like dark side on really this because you went to like the British Empire, and I was like, oh man, you threw it back to the Renaissance. Yeah. I'm sorry, I went like super nerd. <laughs> Anyone else catch like the whole Ben Mendelsohn where he was like, oh yeah, you know, I could switch back to your boss. I like the way he looked. He looked really good because <laughs> it was him. So like, I was like, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed that character once we got to know him though because he was really funny and actually like it's kind of goofy you know oh yeah absolutely yeah he ben's character talos he Mm. was you know apart from obviously the titular character and 
him being kind of, you know, the vehicle to where the plot kind of advanced, right? Because we need him for conflict. And then the big twist, he's now your ally. I think that he, in my eyes, was kind of like the protagonist in a way. The whole movie, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson was kind of reactionary to all of the events, right? Like, like there was never a moment where she, she kind of took the initiative until the very end where she burned her chip down, right? She figured out that it wasn't mm-hmm. giving her the powers, but it was controlling her powers. So she she seemed very reactionary to me the whole the whole movie. And obviously I have a movie where something just happens to you over and over and you just react to it. That's not really the hero's arc. So for me, Talos mm-hmm. was the protagonist and he kind of stole the show for me. Because he's just funny and like... Oh, he was absolutely. Like he was the one, I mean, he's the one that caused her to get captured. Like he was the one that like... He had the plan to get her captured. He had the plan, you know, to bring her to Earth. She, like, he, I mean, he was in charge of the show. Like, I think he was, he, he's my favorite. I, I agree with that, though, definitely. Because you see uh, you see a transformation of him, you know, throughout the movie. Because he's this evil guy in the beginning, you know. And just because we don't know him, you know. And then he, he grows to become this person that is like, hey, my people are dying and I need help. And I'm coming to you. That should show you something, you know. Right, right. Do you? So I, it just occurred to me: Is Talos the only person who had an arc, like a fully fledged arc in that movie? Because he goes from antagonist, like primary antagonist, to some like ally, and then ultimately like the person who is not just like this terrorist, but like a family man, and only and like wants the safety of his people. Um, and I didn't really see, and maybe I missed it. Maybe you guys can help me out on that. But uh, was there any other character that had an arc, like a to finish from start to finish in the movie? I mean, Yon Rogue was kind of the opposite, but it wasn't because of him. Like it wasn't because he wanted to. I mean, it did show, like it showed from like when uh, Captain Marvel, like you know, got the explosion. And that he was there to find her, and that you know what I mean. That that's how you knew that he was an evil character. Mm-hmm. So like, it does show him from good to evil, right? And but, it, but and it, it goes into greater detail on like who he is as a person, right? But was it like a growth because of the events of the plot, or is it because just new information came up? Or is it just the same thing? In your I mean, it, it's time. So like, as we knew, information came along, but it's not like it's not like he changed as a person because. Talos, I mean, was technically the same person throughout the movie. We just learned more about him. But, you know, Jan Rogue, I mean, he was, I mean, he, we portrayed him as a good guy. We portrayed him as the captain, as the the truth seeker. And, like, we saw that, you know, he lied to his own men to get to Earth, and he didn't tell them any kind of information of what was going on. Yep. I mean, he was, I mean, he was a hidden devil. Yep. C-53. Every time they said C-53, it reminded me of uh rick and morty's universe c-137 every single time <laughs> i kept thinking bingo <laughs> <That's for me. laughs> last time i checked i didn't know there was a c in bingo <laughs> but uh i think i think yon rog like in some ways though he was he's not the complete evil person that like some people might make him out to be because he didn't want Ronan to come destroy the earth or whatever right away because he, he thought he could handle it on his own and not destroy everything right but was it like the final like wasn't the whole point of his like excursion or whatever was to find the fast as light they said fast as light not faster than light right that was a light speed or like like, yeah light speed engine yeah uh to 
be able to catch up to all the scroll and kill them. Which they never really like went into depth on like why they wanted the the light speed engine. Um, right. It was just pretty much the scroll wanted it to get away. And so, I th- right. So there's no there's no background as far as like why they wanted it or how they were going to use it. And honestly, like if you think about it, like he was just a soldier, so he could still be technically a good guy. He just has mm-hmm. you know because the scroll did copied the likeness of their soldiers and stuff like that. And, you know, became them and overthrew them in certain areas. If you look more into the Marvel universe, I mean, the scroll are bad people, but I know it, it, it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. As far as movies go, because are they going to introduce the Kree scroll war or honestly, like the scree, uh or scroll in, infiltration? Honestly, I think it's, I mean, it's the end game and I'm not a, sh- I'm not so sure. I mean, granted, there is a few movies that are getting ready to come out because I think what Spider-Man has one, Black Panther has one, mm-hmm. Black Panther has yeah. another one. But like, I think like I think this was just a movie to introduce. Yeah, like kind of like that first Thor movie, not good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> at, at least you know. Yeah, it wasn't very good. But at least Thor was its own contained movie. Yeah. So like versus Captain it wasn't pieces. Right. Because Captain Marvel, like hard, like try as hard as you can. You can't really divorce the, like the origin story of Captain Marvel while, uh, kind of patching things up, you know, filling holes here and there in the MCU, and not open the door up for, you know, possibilities. Because mm-hmm. you know when we get introduced to the scroll, you know, one of the biggest comic events is um, Civil War Two, which Captain Marvel isn't shown in a very good light there, at least in the comics, which then goes into scroll uh invasion war i think it's what it's called i'm not too sure and i mean it's all kind of it's all kind of just a jumbled mess and i think honestly in the end game or any of the other movies that are going to come out like i don't think that the Cree or the scroll are going to be even mentioned like i think they're just going to go back and focus on what the whole franchise is going for like i think yeah i was a part of it and yeah they showed you know fury and like how fury knew marvel and like why fury had the pager but I honestly think, you know, it's kind of like an improv. You know, they go in the in the scene, like, we have to knock this point, this point, and this point out. Everything else is filler. And I think that's what Captain Marvel movie is. I think that, you know, they, they made sure they, 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 they made sure that, you know, Goose scratched out Fury's eye. I'm trying to think what else. They introduced Agent Coulson, you know, just showing well, that it was all there. But I don't think that they, I don't think it was purposely, like, connected i think i think the end of it definitely leads off to the next one of her going back and destroying the ai and trying to complete that you know so you will see the kree again i don't know about the scroll but i really do believe the next movie will be her against the kree you know right because there's there's no way they're not making a sequel i mean it broke mm-hmm. records and well i don't think it broke records but it was very successful in the box office this weekend right it was like the Marvel movie. Right, it's like 300 million, I think it was. I mean, it was like number seven in like the top Marvel movies to come out. Well, it's because it's 2019 and you have a female lead actress and then you have Marvel as well. Like that's, I mean, that's no, honestly what what drove the numbers. And that's, I, I mean, I thought it was, it was a bad movie. But like, I think that's what drove people to the box office. Because like even all the reviews you read on it, they're not, I mean, it's not a good movie. Well, you guys kind of want to dive into that you guys want to talk about kind of the controversy that followed this movie with brie larson and i don't i don't think it's completely 
because of that. I mean, I I believe that just being a Marvel movie on its own will lead you to a successful movie. It doesn't oh, have absolutely. to be yeah. an amazing breakout hit to get the, the views, you know? You're going to see tons of people show up anyways. And if a female lead is going to get them there, they're not going to shy away from keeping that, you know? There's no reason not to. Right, I mean... She did a good job. She was a great actress. Oh, yeah. She, she did great. I just don't think the plot was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of stuff. You know, I, I know I know there's, like, a certain sect on the internet that was, like, boycotting this. They don't want anything to do with whatever the agenda or what they perceive the agenda to be. Um, and then there's other people that are, because of the agenda or perceived agenda or whatever, are going to make a point to go see it, right? But I think the majority of people are going to go because, A, they either don't know about the controversy, B, don't care, or they just or they just need to check that list or check that box off their list of seeing right. the next Marvel movie and knowing what's going to happen going into Endgame. Yeah, checking that next box. That's that's where I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, the movie looked cool. Uh, I was going to see it regardless because I I want to know what happens in Endgame, obviously. So mm-hmm. I think this was not to be not to be a detriment to the movie, but I think this was kind of like an appetizer for Endgame. Definitely, completely, dude. I <clears throat> I saw the little clip at the end. And I that was more exciting than the whole movie. Oof, dude, I I was I was on fire, dude. I was, I was like, let's go. I want Endgame right now. Yep, I was. I left the movie theater like pumped, like yes, this is great. When's the movie? Like, let's go. And the <laughs> and the crazy thing is, it, it comes out in a month, like a little over a month. Right. It's crazy. Which you know, that's good because they're gonna keep the hype and they're gonna be able to bring the people right back in that they just had. Oh yeah, but my favorite scene, and I don't know why this hasn't been yet was stan lee's cameo like man i thought that was man that was good and it was really sad like especially the beginning like when they like showed like the whole marvel universe and they just showed stan lee mm-hmm. and everything and like all of his cameos and then thanks stan i was like oh my god i'm gonna oh, tear up i kind of forgot that this was the first movie where he after, like that came out after he passed away yeah yeah mm-hmm. man that sucks that little smile he gave her and she gave him one back and i was ah heartbreaking right dude. it was it was so heartbreaking. more more than a cameo than kind of like a like a final nod you know it was because usually man. foresight man. yeah usually the the characters don't interact with the cameos i think the closest mm-hmm. one was the amazing spider-man 2 where he's fighting the lizard no was it it's, it was one the amazing spider-man 1 where they're fighting in the class or in the library and Stanley is the or is the uh, librarian, right. and and the fights going Turning on up, behind him. The music. Yeah, I think that's yep. as close as, as you would get to like interacting. But this one was like a direct like mm-hmm. eye contact nod, the whole thing. Yeah, right. and like to be Brie Larson and just be like, I was that person. Like that was what I think that's pretty awesome. Like that she got to be the last one to do a cameo with him. Which I'm hoping mm-hmm. that they do some kind of CGI or some kind of. At least nods or voice lines from. Well, they said they they re- they have a couple in the bucket recorded. Yeah, there was like three or something. I thought. Yeah, so maybe we'll get one in the amazing or Spider Spider Man Away from Home and the new mm-hmm. Black Panther one. If those are the next ones. Right. Yeah, yeah. My favorite part of the movie was the uh, it was it was like a little little shtick right before they introduced Goose to be an alien or kind of revealed to be an alien where they're scanning the people. The Kree were scanning the people on the ship, <laughs> and yeah, and they go up to the cat, and it's like high risk, muzzle them right away. <laughs> yeah. And then they go to uh, Fury, and they're just like, "Oh, he's just a human. He's low risk." And the guy's it's broken, minimum to none. <laughs> I think 
I think the best part about that whole thing is because it was Samuel L. Jackson. Like, if anyone knows, like, his acting experience and what he's in and stuff like that, it just – I laughed way too hard at that because it's like, man. That thing's broken. <laughs> <laughs> I loved I loved Samuel L. Jackson in this movie. Uh, I think the whole the chemistry he had with Brie Larson is kind of like a buddy cop movie at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think it had a real good like flow between them. Like the scenes that they shared were yeah. some of the most memorable ones. And I don't know for all the faults that this movie had, landing flat on the emotional side. You know when she learns that she was betrayed by the Kree, that they're not telling her mm-hmm. this whole story. It kind of fell flat to me a little bit. Because I, agree. I, I just don't think it was very well, you know, founded. Yeah. It's kind of rushed. It didn't. It didn't flow. You yeah. know, there was no. Yeah, that connectivity there. That's you know? that scene after she learns about the betrayal and the black box, where she runs outside, and her best friend are kind of having this like very emotional discussion about not knowing who she is, and she's like, "Oh, you're my best friend." I don't know. It, it kind of fell flat, but fell a little bit flat to me. Yeah, not not a lot of emotion going around. Pretty. Lackluster. But you know, like with her daughter and sharing that love, um, that was Monica. Good. Yeah. I just like, man, I felt so bad because, like, you know, she, when they were showing the pictures, when they were showing, you know, just everything that, you know, they were best friends about, like, that's what was like really kind of heartbreaking mm-hmm. is that that child who hasn't seen her, her auntie. Yeah, her auntie mm-hmm. in so long and she comes back and doesn't remember her. And like, she's sitting there so excited, like, oh, yeah, yeah, mom used to let me wear your jacket all the time until I got ketchup on it and now I'm not allowed to wear it anymore. Like showing photos of her like, hey, this is your dad. This is when you did this. This is when you did this. You know, like because she had to have explained that to her in the beginning when they were when she was there originally, you know? Right. Right. And that just shows the relationship that was built there and then she's not able to remember it. Right. Well that's part of the struggle for her. Fun fact, actually, uh that uh, the little girl, Monica Rambo, is actually a uh, nod that's the name of one of the captain or one of the characters in the marvel universe that takes up the mantle as captain marvel so i'm wondering if they if they plant that in you know captain marvel 16 (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) i mean it could just be like james bond where captain marvel never dies and they just replace him with years from now (laughs) oh yeah i mean it could be i mean if we're comparing this movie at all like i think if we could find a an exact movie i think we're looking at green lantern like Wow, hot take, uh, hot take here. It was it, it was no Green Hornet. Let me tell you what. Uh, best movie of all time. Go watch it. It's fantastic. Awful. Uh, don't go watch Green it. Hornet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. Green don't Hornet. don't watch it. Don't go watch Green Hornet. It's, I like Green Hornet. It's awful. It's a waste uh, of two hours. <laughs> nah, if you love Seth Rogen, it'll be fantastic. But yeah, I I think I think you're right. I uh I, I hate to say that, but I I believe it's also Green Lantern esque. You know. All the storylines kind of the same way too. For me, it was it was a very middle of the road, uh, MCU movie. It wasn't like higher echelon, like top tier, uh, you know, movie. But it wasn't like mm-hmm. it wasn't awful. It wasn't Thor one or Thor two awful. Those are just <laughs> Thor one was pretty. Bad. They're they're pretty <laughs> awful movies. Uh, and so I mean, and even and even saying it's mid tier MCU, it's kind of like saying like mid-tier game of thrones episode it's still better than any other movie that's coming out they're, right. they're on it's... they're on their own level and being a mid-tier marvel movie is Quality. not bad mm-hmm. definitely i agree with that like i think with like you're still, you're still getting great content like 
to fill in the storyline, you know? Like, it's it's all it all connects, even though they forced it a little bit, you know? Right, there's some, but, uh, yeah, there's some it works. iffy parts. You know, the CGI was great. Well, they definitely the put setting. money into it, for sure, yeah. I mean, the funding that they had for this movie was absolutely fantastic, because you really couldn't tell. There was only, like, one part, and that was when, um, what was that, the center or the superior? took over her those little like snake like worm like lines like super intelligence yeah that was the ai yeah that was the only like cg that i was like wow that was that was choppy um really you didn't like that i thought that was one of the the standout points of the movie so the second time that she got wrapped into it yes that was fantastic but the first time she got wrapped into it oh you could like tell like the it was just off like it wasn't you know what i mean it wasn't there like i don't think they did a whole lot of work and made sure it was perfect i did like the universe itself like i thought that was a really great um they did a great job with that but just like the worm like ai that like she was wrapped in like you could definitely tell it wasn't there and like the impression like the impressions the impressions from like being wrapped wasn't there either and so like it just looked fake what'd you guys think about the the fight scene towards the end of the movie in space when ronan the accuser shows up i think she was like I'm going to be like Superman today, and I'm just going to wreck face. And that's what I was kind of, like, upset about because, A, she somewhat found her pure energy when she was on the ship, but she didn't, like, you know, you haven't tapped into it. Yeah, you might, like, know it. It's just, like, you grew up too fast, so, like, you know you have this energy, but you don't necessarily know 100% how to use it. And the fact that she just went against a missile is like, I can take this without even like a second thought. And she launches it back and then they just happen to all chain react with each other. Like I feel like that was a way big of a stretch there. Well, when a bomb goes off, there's a big wave coming off that thing, no matter what it is. Right. You know, it's gonna it's gonna cause some reaction. But I also think it's that hero moment where you're like, Okay, I have to do this, whether I can survive it or not. With the or else a lot of people are gonna die. I have to do this. It's a hero moment. Right. I actually, that was one of the highlights of the movie for me. Like, the comedy was Mm -hmm. a highlight for me. I usually don't like the comedy in Marvel movies, but this was just enough for me to like it. And this last, like like you said, Forrest, like the hero fight scene where she kind of just lets loose. And she's like, Mm -hmm. well, let's see what I can do. Like, really, let me just flex on these guys real quick. And she showed her emotion, which, you know, Jan Rogue didn't want her to show any emotion. And so, like... It kind of portrayed to that that, you know, her power does go through emotion and that she can, you know, wreck an entire ship right. or two. <laughs> Bringing it full circle. <laughs> Bringing it full circle. But that might that might be a, a subject for the next movie where she, she gets too emotional and he's actually right, you know. Do you think? And that becomes an issue. Do you think they're, they're going to fall into the trap of the Superman kind of caricature of a hero? Where he gets, where he's too OP and he's not really relatable anymore. I was kind of afraid of that, honestly. When she blew the ship up, I was like, "That's that's pretty, that's pretty baller," but it's also really overpowered. Yeah, because like all of a sudden she just destroyed all of that. A, you don't need anyone to count on. B, you don't like, you obviously don't have any um, kryptonite that would like destroy you. So it's like, okay, now we have an invincible human being that can just wreck face and so that's why i was like right like like she does what the entire team does on their own like by herself yeah and it's like why do you need the avengers yeah and i think in that aspect maybe and this is kind of like long term right where she needs to face some adversity that she probably might not have because she's the superman of marvel but so in the comic books she actually gets her powers from uh, a white dwarf or a white hole excuse me 
Uh, so she's like tapping into this like galactic force where she can use her powers, and then she gets that cut off, and then and then that's when Captain Marvel transfers his power because he, it's a guy in the comic books to her. I'm just gonna stop right there. We're going full circle because you know how Green Lantern harnesses his power from a lantern, <laughs> and sometimes it gets cut <laughs> off, and sometimes it needs recharged. This is why this is a Green Lantern movie. This is why Captain Marvel <laughs> it's, it's is like, trash. It's not like he needs to run. It's not like she needs to run home and charge her magic ring. <laughs> she gets like cut off by a galactic force. I'm just saying. Hold on, battery's running low. <laughs> it's getting dark. <laughs> oh, too soon. Too soon. Rest in peace, opportunity. Rest in peace. <laughs> Can we just, like, talk – I know this is on a tangent, but can we please talk about how Elon Musk has the Mars and has the revive on Mars display oh, picture right mean, now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Revive me. I have the ray gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, I think in the end game, I think she'll have scenes where she just totally pops off, and then they're just, like, going to, like, send her off to do something else so to make it like a hard scene again or to like make it where it's challenging you know like where the last avengers movie where like the black panther you know he's back in uh wakanda you know the last force comes in and then out of nowhere just wrecks face like i think that we're gonna see that a lot more but with uh captain marvel like they're gonna be in the middle of a fight that they can't win all of a sudden captain marvel comes out of left field and just boom saves the day so now marvel has two ex machinas in their back pocket one being thor the literal god and then captain marvel being literally one of the strongest marvel heroes in existence yeah, i think they're just gonna tag team like i think you know all of a sudden captain marvel's gonna have to recharge because you know she's a green lantern <laughs> and thor's gonna come in on over and finish it up no thor's gonna charge her dude with his, his lightning <laughs> boom infinite power <laughs> What, what I want to see in uh, Captain Marvel 2 or 3, because, you know, they're going to make more, is her getting into a fight where she can't win against the Kree. Because, I mean, she did face up against her former team, which is like five against one, right? But they have a whole right. army. They have star systems yep. filled with Kree soldiers. No, I want to see that on the big screen. I want I want the fight scenes to be shot in IMAX. 70 millimeter, I want big explosions, I want tanks, bombs. Yeah, because how many, like, huge-scale warfares do you see in space, other than, like, the Star Wars universe, and, like, sometimes you get a Star Trek, but, like, what's Marvel's idea of space war and, like, space. how things are happening? Well, Trump's going to send up the Space Force and just defeat... Well, yeah, you know, obviously. Beat the crew. <laughs> but... Yeah, and I understand that, but I just feel like... Space wall. <laughs> and we're going to make the Krill pay for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that wraps up our podcast for the week. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out and listening to us. you guys for having me. We hope to have you back on there soon. Tune in next week for us to spoil something new.